Support the Bartholomew Town Podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome into episode 100 of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. Today, we circle back with my first political guest, the one and only Rhode Island Lieutenant Governor, Dan McKee. The top objective, I think, of anybody that's working on policy in the state of Rhode Island is to get really serious about keeping young people in the state and providing opportunities for young people in the state. That's a long-term strategy, but if we're not thinking about it, we're making a big mistake. Yeah, that may be the McKee Doctrine of your lieutenant gubernatorial run, right? Yes, absolutely. Rhode Island Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee was right there at the beginning of the Bartholomew Town podcast. So I couldn't think of a better person to celebrate episode 100 with than the Honorable LG. In the past year, McKean was engaged in a highly compelling Democratic primary with progressive former representative Aaron Regenberg, a contest the lieutenant governor ultimately won and which served as an interesting window into the strength of both the progressive and moderate Democrats in Rhode Island. In his second term, Lieutenant Governor McKee has continued to embrace his 39 cities and towns approach to governance and has been a statewide leader on issues ranging from utility company responsibility, Alzheimer's, and entrepreneurial incubation. Wow, episode 100. I want to thank you, the listeners, for your support, your feedback, for letting me into your world twice a week here over the last year. Just getting started, only the beginning of the Bartholomew Town podcast, plenty more to come, and look forward to spending much more time together. All right, without further ado, let's go to episode 100 with the Lieutenant Governor of Rhode Island, Dan McKee. All right, so we uh, we welcome back Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee. This is episode 100 of the Bartholomew Town podcast. Seemed appropriate to have you on since you were the you first hit the political century guest. Well, here we are. You Somehow hit the century mark. I like we're that. Still going. Yeah. Yep. And uh, onwards we go every Tuesday and Friday. So appreciate you coming back on here. Past when we first sat down, it was pre-election season essentially. Now it's way past that, and you you've been busy in your now second term as lieutenant governor. So I love to focus on that, but it must be relieving to be not be an election year anymore. Yeah, I, what I say is, uh, Bill, uh, uh, the campaigns and elections are the price you pay for the work that you want to do. Yep. Uh, but if you don't get elected, you don't get to do the work. So right. we, we put a lot of hard work into the campaign, but that's past us. You know, we're, we're by that now, and now we're into uh, trying to figure out ways to help the state of Rhode Island from the office that we sit in and our staff, you know, generating um, interest in terms of the projects that we're working on. Right. And we were just discussing the, I know, the Young Entrepreneurs Challenge. That's not something brand new, but you've kind of been carving it out. And it seems like a new area of focus that your office is is working on. It's a perfect um, alignment with the fact that I chair the Small Business Advocacy Group and we're continually working with small businesses around the state, you know, interested in your small business here, right, the podcasting, you're, you're entrepreneurial. And um, we're still doing the 39 tours that we talked about uh, in the past. Yep. Right now we're doing an auto, auto dealer sales, used auto dealers. Yep. Uh, we were about halfway through that. I was in Tiverton in Middletown yesterday visiting uh, used uh, auto dealers there and, uh, you know, the people who do mechanics and stuff like that. They employ a lot of people and they generate a whole bunch of sales tax. And they feel a little bit like they're left out, like they're the black sheep of the family. And uh, so we're trying to figure out a way to 
you know, help them. So, right. so we're working with small businesses all the time. So it was a natural when I was chairman of the Lieutenant Governors, National Lieutenant Governors Association. My last meeting I had in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and I kind of, uh, I kind of hijacked the meeting, and I said, look it, I want all the lieutenant governors to come in and tell us what they're actually doing that is working, mm-hmm. not something they're thinking about, not something that is like uh, still, still in the planning stages, but something they're actually working on. So the lieutenant governor from Kentucky, um, Lieutenant Governor Hampton, she had this idea. She had done one year with a lieutenant governor's entrepreneur challenge, which she brought in high school students and they put in business plans, and then they competed for scholarship money. So mm-hmm. Andrea in our office, we got right in contact with uh, the Kentucky office when I got back, and we started working on it. So we were able last year to launch our first Lieutenant Governor's Entrepreneur Challenge, and we created partnerships, very interesting partnerships, Bill. One is with some of the um, business community. So in this case, the Credit Unions of Rhode Island became a sponsor, uh, and, uh, and this year we added two more small businesses. And um, but we also partnered in with Millennial Rhode Island, who's hashtag Choose Rhode Island. So last weekend we had New England Tech, who is also a partner with us. We had a the the five finalists give their business pitches to a panel of entrepreneurs that are from the Millennial Rhode Island group. Uh, so it was fantastic, and we That's had awesome. yeah, it was it was fantastic. So we in the last two years now we've. We've been able to stimulate ideas, and some of them have turned into businesses already, high school students. And, um, and we've been able to award uh, over $20,000 of, of college scholarship, uh, after, after high school type scholarship for studies. That's spectacular. Yeah. So next year, yeah. I think that we'll have a third year, uh, and um, we're going to actually start doing it. We're going to do some workshops uh, to help educate uh, young people about what the business plan looks like and, and try to motivate them about actually participating next year. And our goal is to um, uh, to have about uh, raise about $20,000 of outside money for scholarships. And then our overall goal is to do this uh, multiple years. We have three years left of um, in our office, so we can run three more entrepreneur challenges. And then hopefully the next person that takes the office will um, keep the tradition alive. And then we expect that many, many businesses will be developed as a result of it. Yeah, what an interesting incubator, such a practical way to solve the problem of workforce development and and kind of attracting new industries and retaining talent in Rhode Island as well. I mean, there's that element that's key right now. So kudos. That's awesome. Yeah, that's our, me- that's our message to the, <laughs> right. to the, to the students. Uh, this year, last year, a young lady from uh, that uh, attended uh, LaSalle Academy won, and she had this concept and uh, idea of a virtual reality app that would help high school students in their, uh, get overcome their uh, anxiety about public speaking. Uh, this year, the 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 winners uh, of the of the of the uh, the pitch, the con- you know business competition, was uh, came from the Met School. Oh yeah, and the Met School had this. Actually, they had an existing business that had just started, where they have a uh, a van that is uh, that goes and 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 washes cars anywhere where you are in the state of Rhode Island, and they do a detail. They can do a, a full detailing of your vehicle. Uh, so that's high school students that are already up and running. They always wow. have the van, and they uh, 
and they and they're doing the work already. So and then we had other other presentations that were really interesting. Uh, 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 twins in North Smithfield, who have um, created a cosmetic business, but with a, a tone in terms of environmentally friendly cosmetics. So the lip lip gloss that they put they have is is in a, in a is in a cardboard tube, right? And so they they are thinking about everything that has to do with. Uh, you know the environment and young 16 17 year old uh, you know kids are that's a topic that they're very interested in right it keeps them engaged and and it attracts um, new people to that it may be interesting cosmetics that never thought about biodegradable materials i don't know who that person would be in this day and age but if they're out there then well there's some uh, there's some old timers like us that uh, <laughs> maybe not as concerned but we sure. are getting more concerned and that's part of the voice right that you're giving yep. a platform to young people, uh, we had uh, we had radio there covering it. We had some newspapers coverage, it, uh, local newspapers uh, covering it. So it encourages young people, like you say, to be creative, uh, think about it, think it all the way through, like a problem solve, you know, um, type of scenario, and then come up with a business concept. And then now it's it's actually imp- impacting. Uh, the economy, if they're able to, if if those, if they could do ten car washes uh, this month, uh, and then they uh, they get a little bit of spending money, and they spend that money, that's how that's how the economy works. Right, it's just a micro version of what we're trying to do here on a, yes. a much larger scale. Yeah, remember these young kids. Any high school student, Bill, can qualify to participate, and so we're already campaigning, you know, for next year, and letting people know they should be in contact with our office, and. The uh, any high school student, ninth to twelfth grade, who lives in the state of Rhode Island, whether they go to home, uh, their homeschooled, ch- charter school, district school, um, they, they, if they if they attend a high school outside the state, still if they eligible. go if they go to a private wow. high school, they all are eligible, and uh, we're we think that that's a great, like you said, a great incubator for ideas, and the ideas that they're bringing to the table today. Um, are not necessarily ideas that they're going to end up with when they when they start opening up their own businesses, right? This is right. the maturing process, right? Figuring out the process is is a huge part from the, any creative process. I yeah, think, we were talking about that with your business, right? With your Absolutely. with your enterprise here on the podcast, who's helping who's helping generate that interest that um, in the end will will launch a, another enterprise that, that you've been working on. And I'm proud to be on the 100th show. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, of course, absolutely. Yes. I, yeah. I appreciate you taking a chance yeah. on this back in, you know, both that your, enti- your, your team yes. right here, you know, taking a chance on yeah. it as a whole. It, it, you can ask them questions if you want. Andrea awesome. and Cheyenne are here too. Woo. You can ask them questions Look if you want. They the can spot, just pick was- up the... <laughs> <laughs> What do you think is – I mean small businesses are, are certainly a key component of building Rhode Island's future and, and, and entrepreneurial ideas and, and attracting economic development through you know, new industries, I suppose. But what else is, is – what are the key ingredients of the economic development salad besides small business attracting big fish, I suppose, and obviously the educational side of it, but – what, so attracting large employers are part of it. I think that that's happening. I think Governor Raimondo has got some pretty good tax incentives and that type of thing that that are going forward, and 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 you're seeing some progress there. I think it's I think it's really um, very basic. Um, you need young people to live in the state, right? And so then you have to kind of be thinking about what what that will you know the the hurdles that they have to jump, and how do you 
help assist them with that. So you've got high student debt right now that's out there, right? And you've got to figure out a strategy to um, keep young people in the state and create incentives for them if they do certain jobs to help them out with their with you know paying for the college costs. I mean, you have housing issues that are impacting young people in a way that you need to really address that intentionally. But we have a uh, growing, an older population in the state of Rhode Island, and the data that I'm seeing is staggering. The people 65 and older right now, maybe 15% of the state population, by 2030 it'll approach. 23% to 22%. By 2040, one in every four people who live in the state of Rhode Island will be over 65. This is a, this is a big economic challenge. To, That's massive. To, big economic challenge. Now, everybody who's over 65 years old, they are, they're, they're kind of proud that, hey, that, that, that this big group of in, that representative in the population, but they're not going to be all working full-time. And so they're, they're, you know, in, that, in that time frame, they're going to be relying on uh, you know, uh, pensions, and they're going to be relying on uh, Social Security, and they're going to be relying on all the things that kind of will allow them to, to retire um, comfortably. But if you don't have a large, uh, a large working force that is paying um, uh, payroll taxes, that is, pay, uh, that is, you know, contributing in terms of your real estate taxes and contributing in terms of your, uh, the different types of um, economy generating the sales taxes through purchasing in, 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 the, in the local pizza shop. Uh, the people who are 65 and older are not, are not going to have uh, the support that they need. So for them, for their own self-interest, they should be interested in growing the population and, 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 um, and making that happen. Right. So I do believe that Rhode Island needs to get very serious. It's not just about a congressional seat. Uh, that, that's a byproduct of if, if the population uh, re- gets reduced. You need to be very intentional, and I'll say that the top objective, I think, of anybody that's working on policy in the state of Rhode Island is to get really serious about keeping young people in the state and providing opportunities for young people in the state. That's a long-term strategy, but if we're not thinking about it, we're making a big mistake. Yeah, that may be the McKee doctrine of your lieutenant gubernatorial yes, run, right? Yes, absolutely. And we, we've talked about that. I'm very There's not too many people because municipalities— shy away. And as a former mayor, I did put a 1% growth population growth model in my town. It was very basic. It was the number of building permits that we would allow any, any particular year. We capped it, but we made sure that we were still um, developing, but we capped it at a, at a pace that the infrastructure could absorb. And we did. Census over census, Cumberland was one of the few communities who added population. And we added exactly almost exactly at 10%, 1% a year over that 10-year time frame. And during that time frame, Bill, our per capita income in the town of Cumberland increased at a faster rate than uh, the rest of the state. So that's the second, second piece that I think you really need to focus on is not only you know, creating a population growth and strategically doing it and really focusing on keeping young people here, in, the, in Rhode Island, but also focusing on, and this is what we're working in the Blackstone Valley right now, increasing people's income, increasing per capita income, and doing that in a way where you're not like just trading off, like taking a dollar out of your pocket and giving it to me, or taking a dollar out of my pocket and giving it to you. Yep. We need to increase your income at the same time as you're trying to increase my income. 
And so that's something that is really important. This is a, a, a data point that we're digging into a lot deeper, but on the, on the surface, it's very troubling. So you have, in the last 15 years on IRS records, about $2.4 billion of uh, adjusted gross income has left the state of Rhode Island. In northern Rhode Island, right, where we said no to the poor Sox, we shut down the hospital there, we, said, we, we didn't work with Winsocket in terms of dealing with its hospital moving from a for-profit to a non-profit, and those examples pile up on one another. Um, northern Rhode Island, remember, $2.4 billion from the state, $2.9 billion from northern Rhode Island. So, that, so they're bleeding faster than the state's bleeding. And a good amount of those dollars that are coming, coming out of Northern Rhode Island are actually just getting repositioned in, in South County. So where South County has increased their per capita income by $500 million during that time frame, uh, the Northern Rhode Island, Providence County, has reduced its per capita income, adjusted gross income, by about $2.9 billion. So we're working with uh, municipalities, in particular in Northern Rhode Island, we have a meeting with a, a major employer that is going to have a 20-year employment strategy in, in, in Raytheon. We're going to be meeting with them and others like them, and we're going to ask them to really focus on increasing per capita income where it's decreasing at a rapid rate. Uh, and so we're going to ha- ask them to focus in the Blackstone Valley, and we're going to work with the Blackstone Valley to really make that happen. That's fascinating. I've spent more time in the, in the Blackstone Valley in the last year than at any point in my life uh, prior, I, I'm there just about once a week for Motif Magazine, driving throughout the whole area, and just the eye test, the human interactions. There's no question about it. You feel that depletion. You feel that there's a need for something to take hold in that region. The way that Slater took hold of it, it yes. really needs to yeah. be that magnitude to revamp things. This came up when you know you there there was this. Uh, story that broke when you were traveling to Taipei to basically pursue economic development for this region. People were screaming about formalities of that trip or whatever. And I was screaming about, what are you talking about? This is what we need for this region. We need to look way outside of Rhode Island for partnerships and new ideas how to stimulate northern Rhode Island because it's that far behind just based on the the field test that, that I had. Now with those numbers, it makes all that much more sense that it's it's time to really you're build really focusing on that bill, and I can tell yep. you that the um, we we really need to be uh, intentional about um, strategies that can increase per capita income in the entire state, yeah. uh, but in particular where it's bleeding, you know, the fastest, right? Uh, and yeah, that the trip to Taiwan and China and and Hong Kong, uh, you know, caught the people's eyes. It was an issue that uh, you know, I made a, a, a mistake on a, on, a, on filing a report, which we've corrected, and we've and we've paid that price to to do that. I believe in ethics oversight. I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of that, um, and so that I mean, that's past this. But anybody who is still reporting that somehow that those type of um, journeys, those type of trips, are um, Pleasure trips or you know joy rides is really they're missing the boat. They 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 really are either showing their ignorance or they're just showing a bias, right? That they're yeah. playing into a bias, they're playing into an audience. But I can tell you on that on the last trip that we had, um, we expect 
we've already reconvened uh, three times with the with the delegation that was on that trip to to make sure I'm making sure that every opportunity that was presented to us in Taiwan we're following up on every opportunity in Shanghai or Suzhou in China we're following up on any opportunity in Hong Kong uh, that was presented to us um, is being followed up on. And then anybody out there that uh, that is thinking that somehow this is a trip that they want to go on, I mean, I have, I enjoy, I I'm enjoy, I enjoy doing this work, you know, trying to help uh, our towns or our state get stronger. But we did almost twenty thousand miles in the air in the ten oh, days. Oh man, try being on that fifteen 20, hour flight. Twenty thousand miles. You know? we, we we were on five different flights in the ten days. We were we 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 never unpacked. We were in five different hotels during that time frame. And we would meet in the lobby anywhere from five in the morning to eight in the morning, and not get back to the hotel until it, until it was time to go to bed. Yep. And inside of those, I this is the this is the strategy we're working on now, and I'm happy to be, you know, telling your audience because yep. they may know we're identifying uh, what we're going to call um, economic ambassadors, unofficial economic ambassadors that we're going to run out of our office as lieutenant governor. As part of what we talked earlier about, you know, increasing per capita, increasing per capita income, increasing entrepreneurship in the state, and we're identifying people who live in the state, but still have roots in other countries, right? And that so, and when they travel, uh, we want, we're going to create this uh, ambassador, economic ambassador committee. We're going to we're going to create a vetting process for people who want to be on this. And then we're going to give them kind of an honorary distinction. So when they travel, they will tell us in advance, our office in advance, when they're going to travel. And then when they do travel into um, uh, different, different countries, a lot of them that countries of origin, we're going to make an effort to give them the credentials so they can go talk to some people that might be able to help them with our economy. And so that's a real and, – and, and the trip that we just came off, we had two business leaders uh, in, from northern Rhode Island that traveled with us. They, they grew up in Hong Kong area, and now they've been here for 40-plus years. They're very successful. And this is their idea. They said, Dan, you, you need to come on a trip like this. I was asked to go on that trip three times before I said yes. And um, we, you, need to, you need to connect in with people that we know. And the people that they introduced us to, Bill, were, um, were extraordinary. Yeah, I'm sure. I extraordinary. Mean, you just have the feeling that that's what, how this so would go. So we, we, uh, we ended the trip in Hong Kong, and we met with the, uh, the finance secretary, secretary of finance in Hong Kong, who's managing and responsible for a $90 billion budget and actually is creating a $90 billion economic improvement project right in Hong Kong right now. The only reason that we were able to face to face and have dinner at his at his at his at his home, and then meet with him the next day in his office, was because one of the business people who grew up in Hong Kong they double dated when they were first dating their wives, and so this is a personal friendship that this is the point that they're trying to make. You you get face to face, and that's what one of the people in Taiwan, one of the uh, uh, the ministers of economic development for small business and medium sized entrepreneurship. Uh, he said, "Look, face-to-face matters, and you get, and, and sometimes you have to go a long ways. Sometimes you go across the street, but right. <laughs> but we got to be willing to do both. Yep. Right? And so right now, what we expect we we know there's going to be a cultural relationship with Taiwan. It's a different relationship with China. The you know the international relations there is 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 pretty pretty sharp right now, yep. right? Um, <laughs> and but what we're concerned is what can we do for Rhode Island? So there's going to be some cultural development." 
Um, we, I just got an email back uh, from uh, the, the, um, the, the economic developer for commerce in, in all of Xiong, uh, uh, it's called Su, uh, Suzhou, and uh, we're going we're gonna to be able to uh, connect. We, we've got business owners that are coming in for the Taiwan Festival, along with $120,000 worth of, of, of boats that are going to enhance that Blackstone Valley's um, uh, tourism's and city of Pawtucket's Taiwan Festival in, um, in September, which is going to be the Dragon Boats. And we're expecting and we're planning that, that several business owners will come in uh, for that event, and pre that event we're going to show them around Blackstone Valley. Right? We've got a train station that's going to open up in Blackstone Valley, a couple million dollars worth of development that's going to be made there, multi-purpose type development. Right. And then we just got the word yesterday that um, somebody who hosted a meal for us in Shanghai, again, the Hong Kong connection with the two business owners brought together this other business owner uh, to host a dinner for us. And the dinners were interesting because they were all – you know Chinese cuisine, and 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 it's different than than the China in here in Pawtucket. Um, yeah. But but they were but all the dinners were strategically set up. So I had a place to sit next to the business owner, next to this economic developer, and around the table, uh, our delegation was all strategically placed. But we know this young this this person who has some roots in San Francisco area, uh, who lives in um, in uh, in Shanghai. Uh, they're going to be visiting us. And we think this is a great opportunity because many of them don't know about Rhode Island when they started hearing about it. We've got airport, we've got ocean, we've got universities, we've got restaurants. Um, we've got a tremendous health care strategy here in the state. So all the uh, things that we hear on talk radio sometimes is not what um, really uh, we want to make sure we put our best foot forward with this opportunity. So, yep. yeah, thank you for bringing that oh, up. Absolutely. It, it, I mean, it was not a uh, – it was a working – Situation, it's happened to be like, like anything else. You should enjoy your work. I do. Yep. Um, but, um, but, it's, but it's hard work. And um, we're, expecting, uh, we're expecting results from that. Oh, one, yeah. of, one of the yep. things that I'll just tell you that, that we, this is the fourth time that I've met with this um, company that is manufacturing um, SUVs in, in China area. Um, the business, one of the business owners that went on our trip that we went in 2017 to start developing these these relationships in Taiwan, brought directly into my office um, the the young leadership that is going to determine their expansion in North America. And right now, Rhode Island is right at the top of their list. And so we met with them again, had a dinner dinner with them. They came to a different different uh, functions with us. Um, they supplied us the SUVs that brought us back to the airport nice. when, we, when we left uh, when we left uh, uh, Shanghai. Yep, uh, and they're going to they're, they're going to import vehicles very shortly. We've already had them in, in touch with the uh, with with our um, uh, Don and Quanza. Yeah, Quanza. I mean, that's one of the leaders in the in the country. But the the thing that interests me, and it'll be past the time I'm in office, but within the next ten years, they're going to manufacture vehicles here in in in, in, in the United States. And the more that we can get in front of them, the more comfortable they feel with, our, with the relationships. When they're put, ready to pull the trigger, they're going to do battery-operated vehicles here in the United States. So I see the possibilities that we may – maybe we manufacture the batteries here. Maybe Bam, we manufacture yep. something else. 
Hope Global in Cumberland, which does a lot of car manufacturing-related um, um, products, maybe their business expands, and that allows another 100 people to get employed. We, you never know what's going to happen until it happens. And people who kind of like the – I call them the cynics and critics out there. Yeah. Um, they really don't add anything to the conversation because right. they, they're not willing to take a chance. They're not willing to be criticized like, uh, like I have been you know, in some, 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 uh, in some areas, right? So um, you've got to figure it out. And, and, and the way it works in entrepreneurship and having been in small business for my, you know, my whole adult life, I uh, actually started the business when I was – whether or not it was in high school. So um, you've you got to throw 10 things up against the wall, Bill, that may have one of them stick. That's right. And you don't know which one's going to stick. So, so you, you could be critical of you know, uh, the first nine because they didn't stick, and then the 10th one sticks. So, but if you, if you give up, or all of a sudden, you know, you don't have the determination and the persistence, and you say, oh, my God, I'm getting, I'm getting beat up here publicly – that's three, three, three misses in a row. Uh, I can't do the fourth, fifth, sixth, and that's that's a big mistake. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's it's also I try to be empathetic towards maybe someone is truly ignorant of just how business is done or how human interactions play a role in people making decisions. It's not just computer oriented or somehow you know totally based on numbers. That the human element is one of the key ingredients to actually building the state for the future. You know, and, and when you take that away and, and turn that into a negative, uh, use it as ammunition. I, I just I thought it was one of the most profoundly ridiculous big stories of the year, the way it was it should have been flipped the other way. I was trying to spin it as best yes, I could. Yeah. It, and others were, but it's just shocking. Well that that's I think the that angle. I think the majority of the people you know? in the state appreciate the work. Absolutely. I think it's a small group of people that play to an audience uh, that is critical of any any of the work, right? And um, and and I think what it takes it takes leadership to kind of push through that. Not uh, you know uh, you know I think that um, one of the things that I always have said in this was a quote from Mother Teresa was uh, I distinctly remember forgetting that. Yeah. You know so so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I you try to forget the criticism that is that is unwarranted. Accept the criticism that is warranted and try to figure out what you're going to do. But I, I don't think you ever give up. And as the scenario that we're working on for Rhode Island, right, we want people to be earning more money, right? We want people to have a, a better life, lifestyle. We want them to be able to afford to live, raise their families. And I, and I haven't changed my three things as a municipal leader. Give me great schools, right? Give me an economy that can support the families that send the kids to those schools, right? And give me a safe and fiscally sound solvent community and 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 great things will happen did you kind of have to stand at, out of the way out of the picture as your your fellow well your your former fellow mayors uh the the mayoral peer group was kind of battling the evergreen contract and everything this past legislative session did you feel did you offer any advice to either side there on how to work through that sort of saga, if you will? Yeah, not as, uh, you know, uh, 
I think that you got to know your pace. So uh, many yeah. times, as something happens in the town of Cumberland over the last four or five years, and I say, I'm not the mayor anymore. I'll keep your mouth shut. Yep. So uh, I, I usually respond when I'm asked. This time, I was not as asked aggressively. They kind of put it into leagues of cities, cities and towns to talk about it. But they know that that where I stand. So I stand with them. I have my municipal hat rack right in my office. We have every emblem of all 39 cities and towns. I keep on saying everyone's important. Everybody lives in those you know communities are important. And the communities that make up those communities are important. And we're really, really focused on that. So, yeah, I thought, I, I, I guess it was just, you know, I guess they just, you know, the, the people who wanted that evergreen clause, the, in particular the, uh, the union reps, uh, they, they, uh, they were persistent and they, I think they wore everybody out. But I, but I, I think that um, ha- having spoken as a, as a former mayor, there was balance in the negotiations. Bill. Sure, I, I, they, sure. I, I think that uh, this may be a sign of things that will actually throw, you know, create a, uh, you know, put, put the taxpayers' interest or put the people who live in the communities out of balance if, if we keep on going in that direction. So I, I, I don't think it was needed. I, I, you know, I, I had three contracts I was responsible for as a mayor. I was there 12 years. When I, when I left, and I've signed many contracts, right, so, and negotiated many contracts. When I left, all three contracts were in place. There wasn't one grievance on the table. Uh, and um, and we did that without an evergreen piece of legislation. So yep. I'm not aware where the where the the critical problem was. I think that um, in this case, uh, the tax I agree with the mayors that have been outspoken saying this was unnecessary and you didn't need it, and it kind of it could potentially uh, create an imbalance. Um, between uh, you know the management's job and the and the and the and the labor's job, and they both have important important duties, but. I'm not aware where they haven't really figured it out. Yeah, in the past. Sure, sure. I I, I agree with you on that mm-hmm. as well. Um, last question: Do we have time for one more? Yes. Um, summer in Rhode Island. You know, you're a northern Rhode Island guy. So, yes. what's that like for you? I mean, I'm sure you get around the state and the region, but what's northern Rhode Island summer like in your world? Northern Rhode Island summer is great. I mean, we we have uh, you know you 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 have a lot of outdoor activities uh, in terms of the golfing and the uh, and the hiking. We have trails. We have I think almost 350 miles of trails alone in the town of Cumberland, and we we acquired open space property, and we and now there's a the Cumberland Land Trust, for instance, is is developing those trails. So there's a great deal of um, mountain biking that goes on, uh, you know, in Cumberland. I'm aware of that, and out and around, and uh, so generally, and 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 the other thing in Blackstone Valley, we're we're positioned pretty well, right? If we want to, if if families want to head up to Boston for the day, and 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 go to the Charles Museum or whatever it might yeah. be. They can I'll go see a Red Sox game and then back in an hour. And the same thing, we can go, we can transition ourselves to the beaches, which uh, which a lot of Northern Rhode Island does. So in our Providence, and um, I was just I was just seeing on posted on the highway that the Newport uh, to Providence uh, ferry is now open. So oh, is it? So that's, that's good to so know. So it's going to open this oh, weekend. That's great. So, so yeah, and and from our office perspective. We're going to continue the the 39 tours. Yep. We're in the middle of a tour right now with the auto sales uh, dealers. And um, so we're going to shift right into another tour, and whether it's a coffee cup tour or whatever it is. But we'll be out in all 39 cities and towns, Bill. And that's, that's, that's what my summer is going to look like besides this summer um, where I took a leave of absence from uh, the golf course that I play at. This summer I intend to play – as much golf as I possibly can. Oh, is that right? In terms of like carving out little hour here, two hours there, and uh, and hopefully we'll have uh, 
some Sundays where I can uh, actually go out and enjoy a, a round of golf. Where do you play? What's your course? We uh, I play at uh, Pawtucket Country Club. Oh, very which fun. I've been there for uh, a few years, but took a leave last year because of the campaign. And uh, no one likes to see you having fun during a campaign. So That's you're right. They work hard. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee, thanks so much. Episode 100. Appreciate it. 100. My God, you, you hit the milestone here. Here we are. So, and any way that we can help you out or anybody's listening out there, should talk to our office. Uh, we do, and we, we didn't talk. One thing I would say, it's, yeah. it's Memorial Day weekend. Sure is. Yes, this and, is. And yes, if so. I could just throw in a little, uh, you know, what's happening there. I mean, we just had our... Uh, dedica- we had our Garden Heroes, where we honor all the 29 uh, uh, men and women who have died since 9-11 in, in service for our freedoms. Memorial Day weekend, there'll be parades out there. This uh, weekend, uh, we'll have boots on the ground where Operation Stand Down is going to be in Newport at Fort Adams. And they're going to, um, they're going to uh, lay out a pair of boots for every man or woman who's died in, since 9-11 in the entire country, and then plus the 29 men and women that uh, from Rhode Island will be recognized. So I encourage everybody to get out there and understand that our freedom is, is kind of cliche, but it's true. Freedom is not free, and, and there's people who are, need to be honored and remembered uh, for protecting our freedoms with, in many cases with their lives. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, the, the weekend is a good starting point to do that you know, and, and do it throughout the year, but this weekend, why not take the time to just pause and go that direction? Yes. Full on. So, so that's my final comment. As always, thanks for joining in on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Remember, new episodes every Tuesday and Friday on your favorite podcast app, BartholomewTown.com or RIPodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon.